end, which I didn't know. Of course, I was just take what I could get. Yeah, sure. You know, um, but now, of course, chemotherapy uh, reignited my love for rice. Ah. Is what I always like to say. But Benjera blows my cooking out of the water. Okay. I think that my husband would leave me for the cook there if I ever <laughs> let him let him back there. But uh, so last night we had banjera, and the fellas always order chicken vindaloo, and they got a shrimp shahi and a butter naan. I have the kachumber salad. Yes. And then make my own salads. Okay. Yeah. I've got to check this out. Yeah, it's very good. It's very good. Yeah. There's one on Eglinton, Eglinton and there's and one where? on Bloor. Uh, youngish. Young Eglinton. Over there, or maybe St. Clarish, like up okay. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up there in the zone of all of the construction. Yes. In the bad part. In the, <laughs> in the bad part for parking. Oh, for sure. Yeah. My, my go-to is uh, Hakka Chinese. Oh, interesting. Yeah. What's your favorite dish there? The Hakka fish. Oh, interesting. What is it like? Um, it uh, has a nice hint of spice. Mm. Uh, it's crispy on the outside. Is it um, like Szechuanish? And it's uh, no, no. This one is a dry dish. Oh. See, I'm like my mouth is watering now. Oh. <laughs> Very interesting. Um, yeah. So okay. I go. So there's a place near my home uh, called China Cottage. Um, small little, you know, in a in a, your typical Scarborough. I should say typical because you're you're just new to the city, but I'm just discovering everything. Yeah, so I have I don't think I've been to I've been to Mississauga. Yeah. I've been to Brampton. Yeah. We were just in Richmond Hill for mm -hmm. the first time. Okay. We've been to Vaughan a lot. Okay. There's a BMX shop there that we know. So we're ah. there a lot. And then just yeah, Etobicoke. Okay, yeah. I'm the queen of you're Queensway. The, que the queen of Queensway now. Yes. <laughs> Love it. And, and you just arrived. Just got here. We came with the ice storm. Oh, is that when you came? Oh, yes. We were blown in with it. No, we, we bought our place in October, but we were working in on tour and then went sure. to his mother's. And then, yeah. And so ultimately, I kind of look at the ice storm as the milestone for when we really officially were here. Nice. Yeah. Love it. Good. Yeah. Love it. Good, good, good. Listen, I think our sounds are great. Good. Um... Is there anything you don't want to talk about? No. Okay. Never. Good. Um, this is very refreshing. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. This is so cool. Thank you. How did you get into podcasting? Wow. Um, it probably I, wasn't called podcasting when you started developing a passion for broadcast, broadcasting, basically. Well, I'm guessing. Yeah. I mean, I started podcasting in 2010, but it was... Um, Pioneer. It was no, it was um, it was on. I was talking. About, I had just gotten into the industry of social media. I see. Mm. Um, not not just before I tweeted at you back in twenty twelve or twenty thirteen. Oh wow! So, um, yeah. So I, I I was just getting into it, and I was looking at ways of uh, what could I do to brand myself um, and so I started a social media podcast called mm -hmm. SMS Social Media mm -hmm, Show mm -hmm. um, but I was using a studio and again I was out in Scarborough which is in the east side of Toronto um, past the beaches 
Yeah, yeah. Beaches, oh, they call beaches East Toronto, but it's there. not really. We've never been to Scarborough's past that way, way out. They got the I bluffs. Bluffs. So it's like 20, 30 meter high cliffs by the lake. What? Yeah, you got to go check yes, it out. Yes, we do. Yeah, yeah. By the zoo. Wow. Like south of the wow. zoo. Wow. Zoo's in Scarborough. Amazing. And then way down south by the lake are the Scarborough Bluffs. Interesting. So if you if you I Google see. it, you could see some okay. cool videos Very and photos. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I would drive out to Mississauga every Sunday. Wow. Uh, and I would do this show, which would last for about an hour, hour and a half. Wow. Um, but it would take me 45 minutes to get there. 45. And so the all you know all of Sunday was 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 gone. So I did maybe 30 episodes of that, and then I stopped. And then three years ago, I saw uh, two of my friends having this Twitter conversation about this radio this radio station, and I said, "Wait, hey, hey." hey. You can't have this conversation without me. Right. Um, tell me, what is this? And so they told me. So I said, I'm going to check it out. So I checked it out. Uh, I came by and my friend Sammy, who is the program director, um, wow. said, why don't you bring your social media show here? I said, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Right. I, yeah. I, I work in it all the time. Yes. So I said, what if I just talk to interesting people? And he said, yeah, come on in. Fair enough. Yeah. Very cool. So three years later. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So now this is this is just, I just love and enjoy doing this. Sure. Yeah. Have you ever had an interview go terribly wrong? No. There's been some interviews where I felt I can't get anything out of this person. They're not talking imagine. a lot. Um, could, you could, you know, but yeah, them drinks maybe. I don't know. Oh, the, well, that's one of the reasons why. You know, you have them here and they have a drink I or see, two. I see. They relax. Hopefully. <laughs> Interesting. I've had one that I started off scared. What? It was with. Um, he's on TV. He's on the Steve Pakin. I don't know if you've come across the name Steve Pakin. He's on. So there's the um, the Ontario Public broadcaster called tvo oh yes I've heard so he TV. runs a show he has a show called the agenda which is a political show oh um and he's done a lot of the um leadership debates oh. both nationally and provincially he's wow. moderated i see so he was coming in oh my gosh at 11 o'clock or midnight after playing hockey oh my gosh um so when he came in he came in and he still had his jersey on and he was huffing and puffing and uh, he says, how long do you need me? And I'm thinking, oh, no. Because when they say that, it's like, okay, he only wants to do five minutes. Right, right. So I was talking really fast, but we ended up talking for 45 minutes. Oh, to an good. Hour, so that was good. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'll bet it can be very daunting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So so it's good. Um, but I'm nervous now. Because you're like a legit rock star. So. What does that even mean? I'm I don't like, know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like in the kitchen, I am. In the kitchen, I am. I can't I like make a I feel like crashing one of your dinners now. <laughs> oh, so you have to. Did you grow up in Scarborough? Um, No, I grew up in... Um, so I came here when I was like a baby. Um, but uh, Pickering, Ajax... North York near this mall called Fairview Mall, um, and then Scarborough. And where's your family from? My parents are from Uganda. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wow. Which is I've why I've never been there. It's I've got always wanted to the go. The perfect temperature. 
It's right on the equator. Interesting. But it's not so hot. Wow. It was. I mean, when I went. Yeah. I was only there for a few days, but when I went, it was like the perfect temperature. Wow. Yeah. Do you have any family there? We have family in Uganda. We have family in uh, Kenya, Tanzania. Wow. Yeah. We still have some Amazing. family back there. Yeah. They came, Everyone came here. I see. And then to when, Toronto. Uh, Toronto, no, England. I see. Um, no and then when things got better... Uh, they were able to go back and get mm. their homes back and start a businesses and stuff right. like that. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Are there, uh, in Africa, North Africa, but only ever been to Morocco? Yeah, I just went two, three years ago to Morocco. Where? To Marrakesh. Me too. Yeah. I fell in love. Oh, it's amazing. The oh energy in that God. market, in that big market. Yeah. Amazing. I was like, you know, and as an adopted kid, yeah. I've always been kind of like, well, because my birth mom's adopted. I've always been like, well, what could I be? What could I Wait, be? Wait, even your birth mom is adopted? Right. And then you're adopted. Right. Wow. That's all. I always thought, I mean, you know what? Honestly, she's pretty Caucasian. Like, she's probably like, you know, French and British or whatever they are. Yeah. And wherever she was adopted from, like, Northern Ontario or Quebec or wherever when she was a baby. Okay. So it was probably pretty boring stuff. Nothing really great. But I always thought, yeah. So did you, because you were adopted when you were a baby. Yes, I was. So did Six you? Six days old. Okay. It was prearranged to the church. It was already, yeah. My they American were... missionary parents in one town were told by their friends. There's yeah. a Canadian family with a bad teenage daughter. At six years, at six days, they already knew. Oh, yeah. No, they knew before that. It was prearranged. It, it was oh, your mother prior. was a bad teenage. Mm-hmm. Oh. She was pregnant at 15. Her family took her from their little uh, school, diplomat school in, uh, I oh, guess they were okay. in Delhi. Hid her away in oh. luck now for her entire pregnancy. Mm, yeah. And then. But you've since reached back and, and, try and, and found your. I found her when I was 21. Okay. Actually, when I was 18. And then for my 21st birthday, my parents bought me a plane ticket to go meet her for my birthday present. It's amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. All we did was eat Indian food on her floor. Yeah. Was it- and so how were like, how were you? Were you. I don't know, angry or mad? No, no? I was like enamored, enraptured. Yeah? So I looked exactly like her. I don't look like anyone in my family. She had these big green eyes. She was funny and loud and gregarious. And still in India. My parents are very quiet. No, she was in Barrie. Ontario. Correct. So you went to Barrie. Correct. (laughs) And so now that we've moved here, (laughs) uh, she lives in Wasaga Beach. Nice. And so we went there in February, and then we went there at Easter, and I met all her brothers who I've never met. And your dad? Uh, or no. was he just a guy? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, they were 15. Okay, okay, okay. She, she kind of thinks, you know, who it m- might, might be. be. Yeah, but it's, wow. I don't know. That's amazing. Yeah, it's really fun. I mean, for me as an adopted kid, yeah. I think it's interesting because my parents were, their personalities are very distinctive. They're academics. Mm-hmm. They're very, it's just very distinctive. And then my birth, all these other traits I have mm-hmm. are obviously personality defects that are genetic. Okay. Do you call them defects? Probably. Okay. And uh, and it's really it's fun to be able to kind of cherry pick and figure out what is environmental and what is ah, genetic. Yeah, that's and interesting. And it's, it's glaringly obvious when I'm with. You know, both of these women, my mother, with whom I'm so close. Yeah. And then my birth mom, who is exactly like me. Wow. Yeah. Personality wise? Yes. 
But then I have a lot of that's the personality of my mother, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, wow. That's fun. Uh, my name is Biff Naked. Biff is a nickname that I've had since the eighth grade. Everyone calls me Biff. Uh, my name name is Beth, uh, but it sounds like Biff, so I answer to both. And I'm a, uh, a performing artist. Tell, I, I find it funny that people couldn't pronounce it Beth. Uh, well, it was a British kid in oh. grade 10 calling me Beth. So they kept calling me like Beth. Beth. Well, to my classmates, it sounded like Biff because it was, you know, also, you know, Back to the Future came out and... You know, Biff was like the, you know, the big jock or, or whatever it That's was. That's right. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> so yeah, it just became Biff, and it just stuck. And you and you liked it. It didn't bother you. I never cared. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't matter. No. Um, I before I forget, I know it's only June the fifth, but we're ten days away. So I just wanted to wish you a happy early birthday. Thank you. That's so nice of you. Every day is my birthday. Every day is your birthday. Every day is my birthday, and my husband throws me a fortieth birthday party every year. Every day. Every year. Every oh every On year it's your fortieth. That's right. <laughs> every year's fortieth. Yeah. Every we year stopped at forty. The whole the <laughs> the cake, the forty <laughs> on the wall, the whole thing. Is it because we couldn't find 41, so you decided, you know, let's just keep it at 40? God or? bless. <laughs> we'll do 40 till I'm 50, then we'll do 50 till and I'm 60. And then we'll 60. do 50. Yeah. Um, I was doing, uh, a couple of days ago, just going online and doing as much research uh, as I could. Mm. Um, and one of the questions that I had was, I found out that um, you had breast cancer mm-hmm. uh, back in uh, 11 years ago. Um, that's when I was diagnosed. That's when you were diagnosed. Yes. Um, and I and I was and I, and I scribbled in um, because you were you were very positive. Sure. But I scribbled down in my notes. Did you ever go into a dark place? And then after a couple of hours of doing that, I go. I don't think she ever had gone into one. But but tell me, did you did you ever go into a dark place? No. I said, thank God, I'm done. Thank God, I can rest. That was my first thought. I mean, I had done 300 shows a year mm. for, uh, since I was 18. Wow. Without a break. And I had just gotten married uh, mm. about three weeks before my diagnosis. And, uh, you know, for, I'm the kind of person who's really, uh, I don't know if it's a coping technique or if I'm really superstitious. But I, mm. always, I always think everything for a reason. And so I just kind of went, great, this is fantastic. It's my turn. Maybe my turn with cancer is so that someone else doesn't have to draw the short straw in my family. Because really? every year there's going to be somebody. Every wow. year there's going to be somebody in all of our families. There's someone we know every year. Statistically, somebody we know is mm-hmm. going to be um, having to deal with that. And I thought, wow, let it be me. This is great. I love science. I'm like a hospital groupie. I love, I love it. Mm-hmm. You know, I love being there. I bought scrubs for every day of the week so that I could wear my scrubs when I went in. Uh, I bought Slayer runners so that I could have my chemo shoes. I mean, I had a riot because, of course, I did. Mm-hmm. You know, what else are you going to do? Um, I was never afraid because I, I really have probably felt that I could die happy since I was probably 12 years old. Wow. So I don't have like a... I don't know. I never had. I don't have that. Where we we were talking earlier about these different character traits and and which one is environmental. Yes. And which ones are inherited. Sure. Um, your positive attitude. Where does that come from? My parents, one hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I think that my my dad had a a wonderful sense of humor. 
Okay. And uh, I kind of, I think that I developed it from him. I'm exactly like him, which is sad because I used to get <laughs> upset with him. He used to listen to, he used to tell us God talked to him through the CBC. I've he, never heard anyone oh, yeah. say through the he, CBC. Oh, yeah. He loved, the CBC so <laughs> he loved the CBC so much. He loved the CBC. He listened to it. Every Sunday on his way to church, we would be like tortured in the car. We would want to listen to whatever kids like, you know. Uh, we wouldn't want to hear it, but that's all he listened to. Mm-hmm. And he always used to tell us, God talks to me through the CBC. You have to let me listen to the that station. So, and, and, you know, in hindsight, I know that he was, he would say anything for a laugh, my dad, even though he was a dentist, you know, but um, yeah, he's just really funny. And my mom is quite funny too, even yeah. though she's very shy. Uh-huh. Uh, so I just think, yeah, they were positive people. I mean, you know, granted, they were good Christian kids to be, you know, you know, be missionaries and whatnot. Yeah. But I really think they just wanted an adventure more than anything else. Mm. I don't think that they were, you know, devout, you know, United Methodist. Yeah. You know, people wanting to convert everybody. I just really think that they um, were really into, I guess, socialism and civil rights mm. and, and and everything. And I don't know. I just... I could die happy. That's really that's fascinating. That's really fascinating. I, I I mean I've never experienced it. I've been in a hospital for like liver surgery. Liver surgery. That's intense. It's that's, intense. That's very serious. Yeah. What I've happened got, like, to like, your liver? For, nobody knew, nobody knows to to this day. It, it it was like I come back from Disney World. Literally went to Disney World. Wow. Come back and I've got this fever, aches and pains. Interesting. Um and then just ended up being in the hospital for a month. How old were you? This was, if you remember, when Team Canada won the gold medal for the first time in ages. Nope. In hockey, <laughs> in the Olympics. Oh, like, so you were an adult. So to, yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, was, I see, was, I was, see. Was, was married. I see, um, I see. Yeah, and it was like, just get this. There was never doubt that something bad would happen. I see. I remember the doctor saying something about cancer. I go, no, 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 I don't got that. Right. But just get this out of I wonder me. if it was like an infarct. It, so it was... Um, so the liver had this hard abscess. Interesting. And so they tried to drain it, figured out they can't drain it because it's hard. Yes. So had to go in and, and cut it, it out. I see. Yeah, but they don't know why because I, um, I don't drink. I see. I uh, don't smoke. Did, never did drugs. Right. Like my husband. Yeah. So. Yeah. Never did never did anything. What's, never smoked a cigarette. That's like, well, that's the both of you, isn't it? Yeah. Me? Are you kidding me? Well, you no, don't, you I don't started drink. smoking at 10. At 10. Yes, I okay. smoked from 10 to 24. To rebel? with What was that? I, was I don't 10 know. Years old. Who knows? You wouldn't believe the things I was doing at 10. But anyway, I digress. Uh, I stopped drinking alcohol when I was 23 years old or okay. 24 because I kept losing my voice on tour. Really and truly. Ah. I kept losing my voice. Every Bad things happened. I could never really hold my liquor. I talked too much. I would leave the, the, you know, the band van and, you know, wander off. Like... I just, you know, I wasn't good at it, and I was in a touring band, and I didn't want to do a lousy show mm-hmm. every day, and so that was part of the motivation that that had me kind of go, huh? I really look up to these other punk rockers. They're all straight edge, you know. They don't drink alcohol, they don't smoke, they don't do drugs. Punk rockers are like that. Well, a, a you know a subgroup of them, okay. you know, called straight edge. Ah. You know, and now the straight edge movement. I mean, there's wrestlers that are straight edge. Yeah, you know, and that was my motivation back when I was a young person, and I I needed hmm. that motivation to kind of keep myself in check, I guess, and you know, be able to be a professional. I wasn't, I was kind of sloppy, 
You know, I, I didn't want to be sloppy. I was always fascinated that Randy Bachman, another, I mean, you grew yes, up in Winnipeg, Randy right? Bach, but he, yeah, but he lives in Oakville now. I've met him. He's in Oakville? Yes. I thought he's in Vancouver or Victoria. No, I think he's in Oakville. Yeah, he's in Oakville. We he's, just saw him. We just saw him at Canadian Muse, Music Week. Wow. Yes. But he's another, like, no no drinking, no smoking, no drugs guy in, in like, yes. rock and roll. He was yes, like, he is. Like, two of the biggest bands in the world. Yeah, amazing. Um... I didn't start out that way. No. <laughs> no, we used to get paid in beer. You, you did. <laughs> oh, yeah. We got paid in beer, believe me. That was your motivation of touring. Let's well, that was, uh, yeah, that was what we got paid in back when we L- were young. Listen, I'm curious. Born in India, adopted yeah. by Christian missionaries. Yes. Um, graduated in theater in, yes. in, in Winnipeg. Yep. How do you get into punk rock? Boys. Boys, come on. There was a guy in my Sex, drugs, and rock in my and theater <laughs> class who had a world music band. Okay. And there were 13 drummers in this band. Oh, wow. Tabla, yeah. conga, tembali. I mean, it was amazing. They did Ofrahaza covers. They did uh, Bob Marley covers. They did... Um, I don't know, like I can't even, you know, Senegalese, Yusuf Nudur, mm. you know, it was amazing. And they needed a female voice. Yeah. And so I'd never been in a band, but I really wanted to hang out with this guy. Sure. So I went and, you know, performed with them. And mm-hmm. the next thing you know, same guy had another band that was a punk rock band. He said, well, our singer just moved to Seattle. We have a show. We need a singer. You got to fill in. Yeah. And that's how it started. I was on tour six months later. Dropped out of university. Couldn't tell my parents. Was too ashamed. You you never graduated? No, I did not. However, Mm. as luck would have it, as luck would have it, the University of the Fraser Valley gave me an honorary doctorate. So now you're a doctor. Right? Dr. Biff. Right? I mean, (laughs) come on. How can I not die happy? I mean, my (laughs) father, you know, may he rest in peace, he was still alive when I got my doctorate. And finally, he stopped hawking me. About returning to university. He, he, must, like, have la- he must have can- had a good laugh, though. Oh, he had such a laugh. He loved it. What did your parents think when you when you first left? Because I'm assuming they're paying for your education. Yes. Um, and you leave? Without telling anyone. Oh, yeah. Grounded for life? What was that? No, I was a runaway, though. They'd have a lot. Okay. I was a, a spirited child of the family. I was the middle daughter. Mm-hmm. So, they, you know, they knew that uh, it, they were happy if I could just... Get a job, basically. You know, really? having me in school was she's taking amazing. care of herself. You call, That's so you right. called, you called home and said, "Hey, I'm okay. I'm just in." Oh well, they here. knew. They knew that I stopped going to school eventually yeah, before yeah. I left on tour. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, you you ran away often. I as did. A child? No. no. Well, my mom would say I did. I yeah. ran away when I was ten to Where'd the roller go? skating rink, <laughs> and I chose that time to run for away for the night for the day. Yeah, just for the night. Yeah. And her mother was visiting. Us for in Kentucky for the first time, and my mother still talks about it. Wow! Uh, I broke her heart, and then I broke her heart again when I was sixteen, and I ran away from home, hitchhiked to Toronto from Winnipeg because I wanted to be. Oh boy! Yeah. How old were you? Uh sixteen. Wow. Yeah, I wanted to be an actor, and I thought that's where I have to go. I have to go to Toronto. That's where I need to go. And you made it? How long did it take you? Oh, yes. I was here, but only 24 hours before a number of illegal things started occurring to me. I was saved uh, by a cabbie named Norman Davis. A Toronto cabbie saved me and my best friend, saved our lives from being trafficked. You remember this guy's name? Oh, yeah. I wrote a chapter about it in my book. And I dedicated my first record to him. Wow. Back in 94. Tell, Tell me what happened. 
Well, you know, it's a really typical story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, two, you know, I, I say idiot kids, two, you know, bright-eyed idiot kids in the Eaton Center Mall because it was near the bus depot, which is where we went and, you know, right. washed our armpits. Mm. And had a, I mean, we didn't take any, we didn't have jobs. We didn't take any money. Mm-hmm. We hitchhiked and we had a bag full of maxi pads. These were our priorities. Yeah. You know, the clothes on our backs. And... Um, Went into the Eden Center Mall, met two kids our own age. Mm. So they were the same age as us. How could that be bad? Of course, you know, my, my friend and I, you know, got to know these kids all day. These two guys, nice looking guys, 16 mm-hmm. year olds. They were like, oh, wow. You know, you have nowhere to stay. You can stay with my sister. Mm-hmm. We were like, this is fantastic. You know, wow. Mm-hmm. How nice is that? We made friends. And they said, yeah, come with us. And we got in a cab with them. Mm-hmm. They got out of the cab and two older people got in the cab. You know, who had firearms. And that was the end. It was the end of, you know, we were were going to work. They were like, we're taking you to work right now. Wow. Basically, that was how it went, you know. I mean, that's kind of the Coles Notes version. And, um, and, you know, I had to uh, try and uh, impress upon the driver of the vehicle that uh, we didn't know these individuals and that we really needed that adult to take a chance on a couple of... Kids. Idiot kids. Wow. And he didn't want to. I mean, there was a large cab fare involved. You know, he's an employee of the company. It's not yeah. like he's, you know, some, you know, Samaritan or some yeah. cop. Yeah. Uh, but he took a chance and he, you know, we were very lucky that the two uh, individuals got out of the vehicle mm-hmm. to deal with, uh, I guess, one of their employees, if I could put it that way. Wow. They both got out of the vehicle and we made a run for it and we did. And uh, yeah, we were on the way home on a Greyhound. Within 24 hours of that happening, because that cab driver mm-hmm. took up a collection at the bus depot from all the employees of the bus depot to pay for our fare home, because there was no internet. You know, wow. this is no. like, you know, late 80s, early 90s. There's no internet. Wow. Uh, so they all took up a collection, paid for our bus fare home, and we got home. And I went, you know, got a job in a video store, finished high school, mm-hmm. went to university, then joined a punk rock and band. Then and then ran away yeah. again. <laughs> but, uh, but my parents were, I mean, I don't know how, I don't know how my mom survived that. I mean, I really, you know, we have a song that we do. Uh, we perform acoustically as well as in the, in the full rock band. And I can't remember what record it's on. It's like three, three or four records in. Uh, I wound up recording a song called Story of My Life. Mm. And it was baby, basically... An apology song to my mother mm. for this exact time frame, and uh, usually I'm good. You know, I'm tough. You know, I have my my shtick. Yeah. But every once in a while, when we'll start singing it, uh, you know, I annoy and irritate my husband profusely because I'll start crying, I'll choke, I'll say, "Okay, we gotta start the song over," and he's like, "Oh my," he just like wishes that I would stop crying. But you know, and wow. the audience cries. They know because the truth is, I mean, I think that as teenagers as young people we're ingrates we're terrible to our parents Mm. you know some of the uh outrageous you know hurtful things that we did to them you know even as mild as saying hurtful things but you know if it would have been a different era i don't think i ever would have survived that experience i think that i would have gone under into the underworld Mm. you know like so many thousands and thousands of kids do every year every week and uh, never to emerge. And that happens, you know, that happens That's crazy. every day. I know exactly how your mom felt, I think. Yeah. Back um, a few weeks ago. So my son's in a, in a choir. 
Oh. <clears throat> and so my dad would pick him up after his choir is like literally right after school. Oh, I see. So my How old is your son? He's 12. Ah. So uh, my dad would pick him up from school. Mm-hmm. Uh, north west scarborough mm-hmm. and drive him down to southeast scarborough right which is a good 15 kilometers plus right down near the bluffs i see where his choir rehearsal is so casimir is my son's name he goes into in and he doesn't see anybody right so he knows that he's there until i pick him up which is around six thirty. i see so he's got two and a half hours wow so he makes a decision that he'd rather walk home or take the bus home Take him the same amount of time because he doesn't know the way. I see. Versus wait for his dad to pick him up. By himself. By himself. Yes. Doesn't have his phone on him. Because? Because he actually fell out of his pocket and, and, let, and stayed in my car oh. for the whole day. Oh, dear. And he's a, he's a, I don't know if he's, sh- I don't think he's shy. I think he just likes being left alone. Mm, interesting. So he doesn't talk to people if he doesn't have to. Yes. Right? Which is like me. Interesting. Right, yeah. I'm 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 not extroverted, right? Unless I, unless the mic comes on. Sure. <clears throat> and so I go to choir to pick him up, and he's not there. So maybe he's doing some one-on-one or whatever. Sure. No one has seen him. Oh dear. I start freaking out. Certainly. Oh my goodness, start freaking out. I can't out. imagine. Cops have to be called. What? I'm oh my God. I'm running around my screaming heart. in the streets his name. Oh. Oh my, I couldn't drive home that night. I Anyways, can't even imagine. He ended up taking three hours oh. and four buses and walked. Little P. To get home. Oh. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. So I know how your mom felt. And was he <laughs> quite brave about it or was he just kind of nonchalant? Just he was, wanted to be task, nonchalant. task driven. Yeah, he wanted knew, to get home. He, he knew, he didn't know what bus to take, right. but he knew which direction he should be going in. So he knew. I need to get to the 401, which is miles away. He ends up literally walking almost all the way to the 401. Wow. And then he knows which direction to go. So he knows, okay, let me get on this bus. Oh, the bus turned. Let me get off because I need to go again. Right. So he, f- he figured it out. Wow. Yeah. So he's, oh a, sm- he's a smart kid. Yes. Yeah. I can't imagine. <laughs> I can't even imagine. So, yes, you should sing that song. Oh, yeah. And I do. <laughs> to honor yeah. your mom as Oh, certainly. And I think that there are, you know, I, I don't know why. You know, they have this, uh, and the same is true for things like cancer and stuff, but mm. even with this experience, there's, there's something called survivor's guilt because I always think, really? why were we spared, mm. you know, and, and some of these other kids are not spared. They have a, you know, sure. a potentially lifetime of, you know, terrible uh, misadventure befall them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just, I, you know, I felt, I just feel lucky. That's crazy. Um, but you also, okay, so I, I don't know if I read it wrong or interpreted it wrong, but do you have a hole in your heart? I did. You did? I did. I, I think 25% of the population uh-huh. is born with a patent foramen ovale, which is a little hole, or some other type of uh, kind of benign okay. defect. Yeah. Um, only I also have procoagulant blood. It's called factor five Leiden. What does that mean? It means I have sticky blood. It likes to make clots. It likes to make clots. Okay. So I think I ha- probably had a stroke when I was 18. I woke up dysphagic, meaning I woke up, I couldn't make a sentence. And I'm panicking, trying to explain to my mother, I, I, can't, I can't talk. Okay. And I couldn't form the words. Yeah. And that is, you know, not a, not a great sign. 
And, and probably at that time, I look at, uh, you know, I can look back at teenage girls in uh, the late 80s and some of the birth control pills that our parents put us on. Mm-hmm. You know, God bless. Yeah, but they yeah. don't make those anymore. A lot of those are basically outlawed because of the different, uh, uh, I guess, you know, different manufacturers. I don't know why, but they're, you know, they, they formed clots. Yeah. People had a high risk of blood clots and having strokes from some of these from some of these medicines. medications. Probably still to this day they do, you know. Uh, but for me, someone who didn't know I had procoagulant blood, I was probably throwing clots all the time. Mm. None, the, none aware. Uh, you know, thank goodness I quit smoking when I was a young woman. Uh, or, you know, my life could have ended a lot earlier. But I had this hole in my heart. Didn't really know about it. It was diagnosed... Um, after I did a number of concerts, um, we were in Fort McMurray, Alberta, mm. and I had a t- what I thought was a TIA, a transient ischemic attack. I had like a mini stroke, which was probably what I had. Uh, the emergency room doctors there said that I had MS, and that uh. when I got back to Vancouver, I needed to go through the testing that eliminates everything else so that sure. people can discuss. This is back in the day. Um, and did you know these terms? Like, yes, what, I did. I'm yeah. a I'm a medical since school when? nut. Since when? Uh, since my father. So my father was a dentist, but he okay. was because he was a failed medical student. So he always had his medical textbooks. Ah. And actually, that's not even true. It, yeah. What happened was he was in med school. Yeah. And fell in love with the mandible, and ah. became a dentist. He switched. Okay. Okay. And went into dental surgery. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so I've always been fascinated with all his textbooks. Okay. And so these are just kind of and. You know, my dad, that's how we talked. So we, uh, we always knew the terms for things and, and what went on. Uh, so I've always kind of found it really interesting. And I was, um, you know, just, a, I guess, a curious kid. And yeah. I just knew the terms and I knew okay. what the, what it meant. And I knew what MS meant and mm-hmm. my myelin sheaths around my nerves. You know, it's hard to, wow. hard to be able to see those and that whether or not they're deteriorating. Mm. Uh, so they need to rule out everything else. And okay. in the process of doing that... Um, they discovered uh, that I had this hole in my heart. Yeah. And, you know, generally it, it doesn't really make a difference for a person. Okay. They don't really find these things until autopsies. Well, sometimes. One if, if one in four people have it. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. it's pretty benign. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, life goes on and I go, go through my touring, touring life. And then in 2007, I was diagnosed. With breast cancer. And, of course, there's me going, oh, thank God I can get a nap. You know, I can have a nap, get off work for a bit, which didn't happen. I made a record anyway. Um, <laughs> but the time, because I have that, that heart condition and a procoagulant blood disorder, I had to have really specific um, chemotherapy treatments. Okay. Um, you know, just kind of different things. My, my tumor was uh, relatively small, mm-hmm. thankfully. So they just did a lumpectomy. Uh even though I said, you know, like everybody, cut them off. I don't you know, get them off, get rid of it. No, the outcomes are really the same. Okay. Uh, in my situation at that time. And how old were you? So I was 36. 36, okay. And so the outcomes are the same. Um, basically, for lumpectomy with chemotherapy and radiation, mm-hmm. you know, versus double mastectomy and none. Yeah. So they want to conserve the breast, you know, in most cases. Sure. You know, and if I wanted to be really socialistic about it, I go, well, it's because they want to save money. And But truthfully, they mm. want to conserve the breast yeah. uh, for a variety of different reasons. Sure. Um, so I went through that experience, and that was uh, really interesting uh, for me. 
because I was volunteering. Mm -hmm. And um, I was surrounded by other women who were going through cancer treatment. Mm -hmm. And I was in a couple of clinical trials that I volunteered to be in. One was an exercise trial where I went three days a week in a room full of 20 other patients and, you know, got hooked up, uh, you know, to a monitor and went on a treadmill for an hour, three times a week. Mm -hmm. But the whole time, all we did was talk and, sure. and, uh, and bond ultimately. Huh. And that was the most amazing experience I'd ever had because being in a tour bus uh, with a bunch of guys for 20 years, I had never really had that type of a sorority. I have close girlfriends that I've always had. Mm -hmm. But to be going through um, really specific stressors mm -hmm. in our lives, uh, like, you know, whatever it is, a health crisis, for example, you know, the bond you develop, I can only just imagine it must be like being in the army with someone, being in the trenches, you yeah. know, that, that yeah. type of a bond you don't ever lose. Uh, so it was an amazing, nurturing, wonderful time. And the experience that I took on from breast cancer was fantastic. I laughed every day. I was bald. I looked like a frog. I was jaundiced half the time. I was yellow. I mean, it was nuts. <laughs> it was hilarious, and I loved it. And I started volunteering wow. uh, just because I was asked. Okay. You know, oh, you're Biff naked with breast cancer and bald. Can you go see my daughter who's just been diagnosed? Yeah. You know, it would help sure. her out if she talked to you. I can't say no to that, even if I don't have time. Hmm. Who can say no? You can't say no. Hmm. So I started doing that and discovered not only did I like it, but mm -hmm. there was a real need for it, yeah. particularly in palliative care. There's huh. just a real need. A lot of, you know, it's hard for them to get volunteers uh, from a great variety of, uh, you know, age, age groups and backgrounds. Uh, people are... You know, our society is afraid of death. We're afraid of the dying. We don't want to do the wrong thing. No one's so it's it's really hard. And I discovered, for me, it's easy. For me, it was great. Why, you know? why, why do you think that? Because I discovered that I could really help the family who needed to go take a shower and leave the uh, room yeah. by sitting with a patient. I could read to a patient. Yeah. I could make jokes with the nurses. I At the time, my dogs were still alive, and they fit in my purse. So I would sneak my dog in. Everybody wanted to pet the dog. And it was just, uh, it was something that I developed a real passion for. So that was never, cancer was never my health crisis. Huh. But three years after my treatment, this is after my ovarectomy, after my divorce. Ovarectomy you know, is where they take your ovaries out. Because my tumor was estrogen positive. So okay. estrogen makes it grow. Mm. And the, the risk is that it will come back. So, oh, okay. so they took those out. And I was like, thank God. No more maxi pads from me. I'm done. Which is great. How is that not great? So anyway, uh, and then one day I had a stomachache. I literally had a stomachache in my side. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, maybe this is similar for your experience of not feeling well. Uh, and I didn't know what was going on. I kind of just, you know, went on with my day. It's just a stomachache. You know, sure. I'm a vegan. I eat too much roughage. Who knows why? Mm. So I just thought it was nothing. And by 2 o'clock, I was like, yeah, I can't stand up. I have to go to emergency. Wow. And so I went to emergency. And, of course, they're like, you know, this is a tumor. Your cancer's come back. Oh, shoot. And I was like, thank God I can rest. I <laughs> you know, can, same thing. I'm like, another oh, break. Thank God. I mean, and that's what they thought. But it turned out that it was an infarct. A stroke had gone into my kidney. A stroke in your kidney? Because the blood clot ah. from my sticky blood yeah. went through the hole. And went the wrong way instead oh. of going to my brain or my heart. 
and went into my kidney. That's a good thing. And it was an amazing thing. Yeah. Luckily, I didn't have to have my kidney removed. Okay. Um, but there was a doctor who walked in uh, when I was 10 days in the hospital, I think. Uh, and he walked in and said, I wake up every day and all I want to do is fill holes. And I was like, wow, this guy's handsome too. I'm going to freak out right now. <laughs> this is like God's talking to me. Of course, I hadn't met my husband yet. Um, but I mean, it was just like, it was wild. And he was so, he was great. He was enthusiastic and he was funny and young. And he goes, that's what I do with my life. He goes, you have a PFO. I'm going to put a mesh there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close that hole. Let's do this. And it was like, yeah, let's do this. The, a day later, I was in surgery. Did you think, wait a second, this hole actually saved my life almost? Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. So maybe keep it open or? No, you know what? You want it closed yeah. because you, All right. you, you want it to work right. Yeah. And, and now, you know, they don't have a lot of, you know, heart surgery for me was not the cr cracking the ribs open. Yeah, it you was, were awake. It was the incision. It was amazing. It was amazing. I wish I could do it every day. What do, you, what do you mean amazing? It was amazing to be awake. I actually felt my heartbeat rewritten. I swear to you. It was amazing. What does that mean? They stop it and, and like... Well, what they're doing is they're putting an umbrella, basically. Okay. They're going to put it through the hole and then they're going to pull it back so the umbrella opens. Yeah. And it closes that hole. So for the first time in my life, yeah. you know, that wall is closed. And literally, you know, you're kind of... You're a little groggy because they have you on whatever truth serum, whatever you're doing, you're talking. <laughs> And uh, and all of a sudden, literally, I felt my whole body change. It was like my lungs went. <gasps> and it was like I started breathing differently. It was like my, everything was rewritten. And that's how I felt. Wow. I felt like my breath was rewritten. Like my heartbeats were rewritten. It was amazing. I loved it. And I thought, God, if I live through this, I'm going to clean my car. One. Two, I'm going to change my dentist. That was the, the only things going through my, my mind. Why dentist? Because uh, my, my molars kept breaking. <laughs> so <laughs> my, it has nothing to do with it. <laughs> my molars kept breaking. I was like, I'm going to change my dentist. And I did. And, it was, and I cleaned my car. And it was amazing. You know, it was amazing. And you got a new dentist? I did, yes. <laughs> and he was saying like Indian bhajans to me when he did my teeth. I was like, this oh, he's is, an Indian. This is God. He's Egyptian. He speaks Hindi. Yeah, <laughs> go figure. I mean, it was, it was amazing. It was just amazing. You believe in God? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Why wouldn't I? I don't know. I'm just I think that. Yeah, sure. Why wouldn't we? I think it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think that my dad used to call me a cherry picker Meaning? when it came to theology. Uh, my father was a theologist, and uh, he loved everything. He used to teach us everything. Mm -hmm. You know, the uh, one of the most beautiful religions is Baha'i. My father used mm -hmm. to talk about Baha'i all the time. Love the Sikhs because we can all go in the temple. Mm -hmm. Everyone is welcome. Mm -hmm. uh, when we were punks, young punks, there were a lot of Hare Krishna bands. Really? And so we were like, you know, we, we loved Hare Krishna. Everything was Krishna, Krishna. Yeah. Obviously, Ganesh. I had, you know, got Ganesh tattoos when I was young. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, Jesus and the boys, you yeah. know, because my parents were Christian. Yeah. So... I loved it all. I loved it all, and uh, and I still do. And my dad accused me of being a cherry picker, saying that I pick and choose what I want to sure. from every religion to suit my needs. And I was like, of course I do. Doesn't yeah. everyone do that? Yeah. Why shouldn't we do that? I mean, it makes more sense, mm -hmm. you know. But um, yeah, I think that I think that it's uh, not just a possibility. I think it's a reality. I think it's great. A lot of my friends who are you know, Gen X kids like me are atheists and they love saying that they're atheists. Yeah. And I'm, that's great. 
I yeah. go, great. God loves you, you know, and that really pisses them off, and I love that. But I mean, you know, I think that it's it's more than possible. I think it's yeah, it's a it's a great reality. Cool. You said you got what were your first tattoos? You, you My first tattoo was the Eye of Horus, the Achat, okay. uh, which is the all-seeing eye. Where are you? Here. Okay. And then over the years, like obviously. Ganeshwa always that's a, figured pro- that's a nice one, eh? prominently. Well, they're old yeah. too. Like yeah. I mean, I've been getting tattoos for, I mean, almost thirty years, twenty five mm. years, and uh, and I always want more. Always, yeah. always want. What's your more. Le- latest one? Uh, well, my husband, Stephen, whom I call Snake, tends to draw things in my notebook. I yeah. don't use my Google Calendar very mm-hmm. well. I'm not good at it, so I write everything down in a notebook. And uh, I'll find these little doodles in there. Usually it's the finger, a cartoon of giving me the finger. Is that what I'm seeing right there? No, that one is actually the metal sign, like the I love you sign. Yes, yes. But I had collected a lot of these fingers, and I was going to put pepper them all over the the place. This is a knife that he drew. Yeah. This is his signature. It says snake in a heart. Yeah. And so lately I've been putting his little... drawings (laughs) drawings <laughs> pepper pepper the drawings and he <laughs> thinks it's funny i keep telling him that i'm gonna get his name on my neck as a neck tattoo which is very popular among young women right now really i, I don't know why and face you know i came from a generation where you'd walk into a tattoo shop and they would say no face no hands yeah because they, they just wouldn't do it i i'm not sure. sure why but they wouldn't and now it's very popular and and people are yeah, now it's n- not unusual for a young woman to have, you know, a hundred tattoos. It's yeah, it's not unusual. No, what attracted you to, to tattoos? You know, I think that I wanted an armor. I think that I wanted people to not talk to me. Okay. When I first started getting them, I thought that it would make me appear unapproachable mm. and almost. You didn't want to protect, talk to people. Well, to protect myself. And I think that I wasn't self-aware enough at the time mm-hmm. to know that's what I was doing. Uh, but ultimately, my spirituality betrayed me uh, because I kept getting deities. You know, I'd mm. get green tar, I'd get Buddhist writing, I have Om Namah Shivaya on my stomach. Mm-hmm. I would, you know, I'm in, into words, azad, azadi, like I'm... What does that mean? Uh, freedom. Okay. I mean, I'm back. Yeah. And, uh, you know... Prema and Shanti, I have Sol and Choda, which is God and peace. And I don't know, I've always just kind of I've been into the, I, I like the power of words a lot. I mean, I don't know, I can't get, you know, be nice across my neck. I always <laughs> thought I would get, I always thought I would get knuckle tattoos that said nope. Just nope. Nope. Yeah, nope. Why? Because it's funny. Okay. Now it's because it's funny. I got no on my wrist when I was young. In French. Backwards and forwards. Yeah. Because I thought I would just hold my hands up and go, no. You know. But no, it never worked. You know, I it's still can't say no. I say yes to everything. I'm a, you know, I'm a yes man, basically. Wow. Um, so how, like, how's your health? I already know the answer. Your health is great. Yeah. But how is, like, everything's good now? I can't, I can't imagine that it wouldn't be. Yeah. You know, I can't imagine. Um, going through chemotherapy uh, and radiation particularly is... Uh, is something that I feel very, very fortunate to have undergone because, you know, as I get older, as I, you know, get into, I don't know, advocacy and, mm. and patients' rights and, and public health, 
I know firsthand what gets covered by the government and what doesn't. I know what the, the uh. drugs are for. I know what it's like to be experiencing residual uh, radiation side effects that nobody else can see. Your employer can't see them, mm -hmm. but you are narcoleptically fatigued, fatigued mm. to the point of you will fall asleep at the wheel. I wow. mean, and, and, and this could go on for years. I don't think I felt normal mm -hmm. for five years after I was all clear. Like, I really don't feel like, you know, I think it's remarkable what the body can survive. And, uh, but I'm, I'm happy to have that experience, the lived experience of knowing it. if I could be a surrogate for girls who are afraid to get chemo, I would, because huh. it's easy, you know, it's easy. You, gone you get a it. nosebleed, you know, you get a nosebleed, maybe you're going to get constipated. You throw up, you won't throw up. Then you can't tell. Yeah. You never know. You just really never know. And now the, the, the standard of care is so different. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a patient that, and, uh, an oncologist was basically the bartender mixing the cocktail of chemo. Yeah. You know, if if the patient um, might be able to thrive and have uh, more success as a patient, if you dial back the amount of chemotherapy you're infusing the patient with and give smaller doses more frequently. Didn't I... There was something in the news recently mm. um, about... Was it about breast cancer and chemotherapy? Like... Oh my goodness! Probably, where where women <clears throat> di didn't have to do that anymore. Often, or something. Now they have. I mean, and this is from research, and this is where yeah, you know, the dollars go for research. It it is really the truth that they make so much progress, and not just for breast cancers, for lots of cancers. Yeah, um, they can you know really dial it in uh, for each individual patient and what the needs are. Mm. I think that's fascinating. That's you know, amazing. and there are there are many patients who don't have to do chemotherapy. They can do radiation only, or they can do just surgery. Mm -hmm. Or in cases like a lot of different prostate patients for prostate cancer, they do watchful waiting. You know, it's a, and they wait, they okay. wait before they do any radical treatments. Interesting, uh, because you know, and then there's, you know, there's just so there's so much information. Yeah, you know now about about cancer. And I think that more people, and social media is a great example of that, hmm. more people post about their treatment and what they experience. And, and, and they, you know, it's more, people are more aware. So diagnostics are better because technology is improving. Mm -hmm. But also people are more aware. So they're getting diagnosed earlier. They are able to detect uh, when something's amiss. You know, whereas then they're still going to always be like, you know, our friend Anne. You know, went into the hospital. She thought she had the flu. She, mm -hmm. just, she just couldn't get well. It was 10 days into the flu. She was like, ah, this is not going away. And she had, you know, end-stage colon cancer and oh. was in, and perished, you know, within 30 days, uh, you know, from healthy. And she was 41. Mm. You know, so, and that's, a, that's n I guess I can't say that that's unusual. I don't know what the, that statistically would be, but... You know, it, you just never know. Wow. I think diagnostics are better, and I think people are getting diagnosed earlier, mm -hmm. and survival rates are getting better. Yeah. I mean, I can't believe I survived. Wow. Let's talk about music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you got into music because of boys. Well, originally. Originally. I was in ballet for 17 years, almost. Well, it was like 15 years. Martial arts, too. 
right? That was later. Because I've seen like you 30. do it in one of your videos. Yeah, you're doing some like probably. karate kicks or yeah. something. Yes. Um, Love it. But yeah, I never wanted to be in music. I wanted to be into dance and theater, and that's why I was a, a theater major. And music is really an offshoot of that. It was a real, uh, it was a good fit for me. I loved mm -hmm. writing. I loved writing poems. That was a great fit for lyrics, songwriting, always. Okay. You know, so it was a really good fit for me. And as for, as far as performing, mm -hmm. it was the best. It was theater every day. It still of is. Of course, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a really good fit. I love it. What do you enjoy? What do you enjoy more, the performing or the the, the creativity of creating um, an album? Performing. Yeah. Always. Okay. Always. I hate the studio. Really? Yeah, I think everyone does, but you know, when I started, there was no auto tune or anything like this. So, you know, as a young vocalist who had no training, uh -huh. you know, we would have to go in and sing a line a hundred times. Yeah. You know, and it was very, it was defeating and it was daunting and it was, you know, it was, uh, I had a lot of anxiety about singing and, you know, now I don't, you know, sure. as I'm not much better than I ever was, but at the same time, I, I just think that, um, yeah, just the craft of, uh, of of putting music out there um, has always been something that's been enjoyable. Do you remember your first? Well, oh no, let me ask this. Um, I read somewhere you your records are they all self? Um, what's the word? Not published. We had our record, own record company. You had your own. Yeah. Have you always had your own? Always, because okay. we were originally signed in 1994 uh -huh. to a record company. Uh, that had distribution on A&M Records in Canada. Okay. And that company folded. Hmm. Like within a month of the all these all their bands' records being put out. Yeah. So, and we couldn't get a record deal in Canada. You know, my, I had a manager that managed my um, punk rock band. Yeah. And, uh, and he was told, you'll never get this girl on the radio. You're wasting your time. No hmm. one will ever play this girl on the radio. She has tattoos. She's, uh, you know, she's, she's not that attractive. You need a blonde singer. You need someone like Jewel or whatever he was told. And mm -hmm. he was just like, I don't, I actually don't believe you. I think that, that I think we can keep going. And we just formed a company because we could not ah. get our own record deal. Okay. That's what we licensed the product in every country. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and that has been a really great Great model, but again, it you've was, always owned your music. It was back in the day, and yeah. now it doesn't matter. Now it really doesn't matter. Sure. The, the way people consume music is so different. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's kind of not really a revenue source okay. for most artists. Sure, yes, you know, unless you're already, you know, well established or. What was your first know. big hit? I have no idea. The first song I ever heard on the radio yeah. uh, that was on a commercial adult radio station, not uh -huh. just our local like college station, yeah. was a song called My Whole Life. Wh what did you feel when you heard that? I, was, I listened to it on a small little radio in my apartment uh, with my best friend Jennifer, and we listened to it, and I just was trying to, I kept telling her, pretend you're a stranger. Like, pretend you're just a stranger listening to it. I tell my husband that all the time when we listen to mixes in the car. Just pretend you're a stranger. Like, don't think, like, don't, you don't know me. Like, just pretend it's somebody you don't know. Mm -hmm. What would you think? Yeah. And that's still what I always do. I try and listen like a stranger. And what did you... It was a thrill. Did you like that, that person coming through? That well, music I loved coming? it. Oh, sure. Mm. Singing is fun. Yeah. You know, it really is. And, um, and uh, if anyone 
you know, hears your songs and, and remembers the words. It's like a miracle, you know, especially now we have a, a new song that I can barely remember the chorus. There's so many words in the chorus. <laughs> and I just go, wow, it's a miracle that I can remember the words. It, never mind anyone else. So it's, a, it's still, it's so fun. It's yeah. just fun. Um, when you started getting on the radio and, and much music calling you and doing interviews at radio stations and such, um, was that a, how, how the heck is this happening? Or like, were you always striving to make hit records and songs or, or was it? Uh, no, my manager touring? would have been striving for that for sure. Okay. I was, uh, I mean, I've been very lucky. I've had the same manager oh, wow. uh, my entire career. Yeah. Um, but you know, we were always on tour. So we would put a record out and then be busy on tour and every day is a show day and it's just like baby steps every day in every city you're in. You mm -hmm. do the radio station, you take a pizza to the radio station and you try and talk on the radio and hope that they spin it and mm -hmm. hope that they, you know, back then it was like you hope they got good phones was the saying. Uh. You know, the people call in and they want to hear the song again and... And then you're off to the next town playing a concert. So it was like, you know, it was relentless. I missed one show in my entire career. One. Wow. And that was in Regina, Saskatchewan in 1996. Because? It was a snowstorm. And that was it. I was saying with strep throat, believe me, mm. it doesn't, doesn't sound any different. It's not like that. But, it, it, you know, I just think, I don't know. I've just always done it. And we've always worked like dogs. Like you just work and work and work. Yeah. Because we love it. Yeah. And a lot of the bands that are... Uh, our generation of bands, that's what they did. You know, mm -hmm. they, they toured in bands, they slept in their bands, they they sold T-shirts and cassette tapes out of the back of the, you know, of their trunk, mm -hmm. and they just went to the next town. And that's what we still do. It's hand-to-mouth, all these indie bands, it's all the same. Yeah. It never changes. And I think that's why the, the fans are always going to come to those shows that, uh, you know, those bands come to play. They remember exactly what it was like, you know. It's like... I don't know, like Social Distortion is a good example of a band that's been around for 30 years. And, uh, you know, they will still always pack any mm. venue in any city, anywhere they ever play. And, you know, are they going to play on the Grammys or the Academy Awards? I don't know. Maybe not, but mm -hmm. it doesn't matter because they're, you know, they're still going to, you know, pull in like... I don't know, 2,000 people a night who yeah. know every single word to their songs. <laughs> and, you know, we still, we'll work for a sandwich still because yeah. we love what we do. You talked uh, earlier about, um, you know, bands, if they're, if they're not well-established, uh, you know, making the record, that, that sort of model of, of earning money is not there anymore. Right. Um, so is it just literally through touring and selling the T-shirts and, yes. and CDs and 100%. stuff? 100%. Yeah. Um, you know, and maybe again, I'm speaking from the point of view of someone who's always been an indie artist. Mm. Even though we have, uh, from time to time, licensed our records to major labels. Mm -hmm. And hey, believe me, when you're on a major label and the machine gets behind you, mm -hmm. you know, it's a machine. It is like wild. You know, yeah. it's a wild ride. You know, you're doing Leno, you're on Buffy, you're doing all these things, plus touring. It's mm -hmm. like relentless. But um, I just think that now for any young band, um, yeah, they got to stay really positive. It would be very, very defeating for a young band today, um, I would imagine. Because people, it's also fake. You know, like you can, hmm. people can buy likes. 
sure. on Facebook yes, or they can yes. buy followers on Instagram or they can buy views mm-hmm. on YouTube. I don't know if they can buy Spotify stuff. I'm not sure, but they probably maybe they can. So how, how is the playing field level? All mm. you really need is a patron saint. In other words, a record company or sure. an investor or a startup or whatever. So how is it ever going to be fair? How mm. will you ever really know? Mm-hmm. The only way you will ever be able to gauge it is by going from town to town. Yeah. And now it's easier than it was before. Before we used to have to make flyers and mail them to all the venues and hope that they put posters up. Now these bands and these kids run their own social media accounts. Mm-hmm. They can just you know hammer it. This is when our show is. This is when our show is. This yeah. You know, so in many ways it's easier to get discovered and get your your songs out there Justin Bieber was on YouTube yeah you know and uh, <coughs> and that's how he was discovered I always use that as, a, as an example because that's that's a talented kid you just moved here yes to Toronto yes from Vancouver 30 years in Vancouver people usually go the other way I hear this they usually go like to the ocean and the mountains I, but the lake is the ocean to us it's the same yeah it's it's the same. It's amazing. There, are, I have discovered more birds here mm. than I ever did at home. Tommy Thompson Park? Uh, no, just in like my manager's backyard. Oh I my mean, goodness. it's like unbelievable. Cardinals, Blue Jays, Blackbirds. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just there's so many. There, it's just been amazing. We love it. We just had the greatest time. There was an ice storm. You know, our power was knocked out. We played Kiss Monopoly with my husband's Kiss Monopoly game. You know, and ate dinner in the dark. It was like the best time. <laughs> you know, we didn't, I don't know, I have just a little Volvo hatchback. Yeah. Uh, but it was fine. You know, it's not like, you know, and all our all our friends back home were like, they're just like mortified that we left. A, so I'm a traitor, number one. Sure. So I get asked all the time, I move because Drake's here. Yeah. Drake's here. Why wouldn't I move? Drake's here. Sure. Oh, and then I said, uh, the Blue Jays. Okay. So I said, baseball. Of course, I have to go where the baseball is. But I have to be careful with hockey because ah. Vancouver really likes their team. Sure. So it's not like I can, like, you know, I came for throw the in. <laughs> I can't really throw that in. They'll get really upset. Sure. They get, like, I mean, <laughs> they would, like, unfriend me, upset. Like, yeah. I would never hear from them again. But, um, you know, I just, I come up with different, you know, different stories. So does know. anyone know why you came to Toronto? Well, my husband and I got married. Okay. He had his own apartment and I had my own apartment, uh-huh. like many like many, you know, couples sure. who get married in their 40s. Yeah. You're already established people. You're adults. So he sold his place. I sold my place. We were going to get a place together. And what we in discovered. Vancouver. Right. And mm-hmm. we, I mean, you know, we didn't have like these like lousy places. Mm-hmm. You know, we could have like, you know, had a nice place. But there, it would have actually sucked. We couldn't actually get what we wanted to have. Mm. Uh, and. It was just time, you know, we had just gotten married and we thought, you know, it's you and me against the world kind of thing. It was either, uh, and we were going to flip a coin. We were actually thinking of Montreal at one point because he chased me to Paris um, when I was staying there so much in uh, 2013 and 2014 because I was finishing my book and my manager and his wife lived there. So I kept hiding over there. And... um, Paris wasn't really an option to live there because it's really expensive, just like Vancouver. Sure. Toronto was mm. 30% cheaper to buy our apartment than it was in Vancouver. Wow. And things here are expensive. And it was still Jeez. 30% cheaper. And we love it. We just love it. We're on the lake. Mm-hmm. I can't see the end of the lake. So my brain 
yeah. still thinks it's the it's same. It's the ocean. <laughs> it's the same to me. No killer whales, I don't think. <laughs> no, no. No orcas. Yeah, that's okay. It's it's beautiful. It really is. It's beautiful. There's a there's a butterfly garden um, near our apartment building at Humber Bay. I know where you are. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah and yeah. it's just amazing. My uh, my manager's father-in-law lives in the building next door to us. Okay. So I mean, and that's great. Yeah. You know, it's just it's amazing. There's a dog daycare in our lobby of our building. It's everyone has a dog. It's just like I don't know. It's just really fun. You have a dog. Uh, I had two dogs until my last living dog, my child, okay. Nicholas, passed away. He was 17. Oh, wow. Little Maltese. Is that, that's old, it sounds like. Very. Dog. Yeah. 17 wow. is unusual. But he, you know, he was hilarious till the end. And yeah. I, I mean, I have a, uh, a soft spot for senior dogs. Okay. Yeah. And he was old for a long time. He was old for like seven years. I saw a clip of something and, and you had a... Maybe it was a rescue T-shirt on. Quite dog. possibly. Yeah, yeah I love uh, I love trying to promote. When when did you get involved in um, in in these things? You know, you're involved in uh, you know. So whether it's animal rescues, um, you know, when did you get in? You know, animal cruelty. I think you yes, be cruelty free campaign. Tweet yeah, or, or recent tweet about yeah, cruelty free makeup. Is it? I think. Yes. When did you start becoming involved in some of these social? Well, you issues? know, I get asked to do it, and okay. I learn about it. Mm -hmm. um, I have a lot of friends who are in animal rescue, um, but it's a good fit. Like there's fur bearers. Um, they are really trying to encourage people to go fur free in the fashion industry. I'm really into that idea. Nobody needs a raccoon collar. No. You really don't need that. Sure. And, you know, everywhere we went in France, even same thing. You know, it's just. People don't think about it. They just they buy the coat. And so, obviously, I'm going to say, yeah, you don't really need it. You can buy a, a vegetarian version with, like, teddy bear, you know, yeah. or whatever. And then with the um, with the Humane Society International, uh, they're a great organization. Uh, if you know anything about uh, Humane Society International Global, they are rescuing dogs from the dog meat trade, among other amazing projects that they have. I knew that was a thing. Oh, it's amazing. It's wow. unbelievable what what goes on. I can't believe the world we live in. But mm. uh, And so, you know, partnering with organizations like that, I just think uh, um, cosmetics particularly, they, it's not necessary anymore for them mm -hmm. to test cosmetics on animals. And there's still animal testing in Canada. There still is. Yes, for mm. cosmetics specifically. There's different laws. I mean... You know, when it comes to scientific research, it's very, very difficult uh, to, you know, eradicate um, many of these animal testing facilities because of the laws that are in place in Canada regarding medicines and mm -hmm. medical research. Uh, you know, but I kept thinking when I was in cancer treatment, if someone like me could just sit there and go, test me instead, test me instead. If there's more voices like that, hopefully it yeah. will it will help, you well. know, not just against cosmetic animal testing but all sure, animal sure, testing. sure. I want to get your um, opinion about something okay um, we are a few days away from a provincial election I have my election card yeah. in my purse right now oh okay the first thing I did was uh, register register when we moved here and then I registered my husband what do you think about what's happened what do you what do you it's think fascinating. about all the noise I love it I love it all okay. I love it so when we moved here yeah. <laughs> when we moved here the first week I moved here there was a man eating in a restaurant yeah. in, like, I don't know where. Yeah. I don't know. Where is it? York, Yorkville fancy place. 
Hazelton. I don't know mm-hmm. where he was. He was eating in a restaurant, steakhouse. Yeah. Packed. Yeah. Some guy walked in in a hoodie, stood on the table and shot him dead in front of all the patrons. You were there? No, but it was happening the first week I was here. I read it in the news. I was like, hmm. there's a mafia here. Where am I? Like, Toronto is so weird. A couple months later, the brown guy has to step down from his job because he's accused of sexual misconduct. Yeah, yeah. Bang. Yes, yes. Step down. Yeah. I was like, wow. Wow. Just like that. (laughs) Well, it's interesting. It's a different society Hmm. here than in Vancouver. Very different. In Vancouver, working, you know, kind of uh, leaning into social justice work is very different than here. Okay. It's just such a different culture. Yeah. And I find it fascinating. Is more of it there? It's just different because the demographic is different. It's a smaller city there. Sure. Um, Obviously, I don't know statistics. Uh, But, you know, I think that they have a lot of problems. Um, People bash the poor a lot. In Vancouver. Oh, yes. And if if you have barriers, multiple barriers, you're marginalized. Um, You know, it's just... It, it became so evident for me. I worked with an organization called Raise the Rates, mm-hmm. and they did a yearly challenge uh, called the Welfare Food Challenge, for yeah. example, where everybody who participated lived on, meaning eat, buy groceries on, what a typical week's allotment is for a person on social assistance, mm-hmm. which is $21 for the week. Wow. And so, you know, a couple of years in a row, I, I participated in this and, you know, put on social media and whatnot. And I received more derogatory comments. Really? From the general public. I oh. mean, I fly under the radar. I'm a little mismediator. You know, I'm pretty positive. I'm not, you mm. know. Pretty. I'm not, yeah, so you're very I'm not really, I'm not really confrontational too much. Yeah, so yeah. On the stage, yes. Sure. But that's because it's the music. But um, I'll fly under the radar. I don't get a lot of. Um, negative traffic, not too much, you know. People don't mm. really, they don't really bother me. I'm not on Facebook that much. But when I did the welfare food challenge, I went from zero comments a week. I mean, I'll put up dog meat rescue farm, da 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 da. Nothing, no shares, no comments. I don't care. I'm putting it up there. Mm-hmm. Welfare food challenge. Derogatory comments went from zero to eighteen hundred. Wow. And it was like people, and I could see their name and their mm-hmm. profile. They don't care. They're they're working class, you know, average Joes and, and Josephines. You know, they're like, and saying these terribly derogatory, you know, bigoted things that they would say. And they bash the poor. They blame the poor for being poor. It's crazy. And, but I think that that happens everywhere. I think it's true for every society we live in. And so coming to Toronto in a, a time for an election mm-hmm. and then hearing some of the platforms that these individuals are you know, passionate about has really sparked my interest because okay. I just, I am very curious mm-hmm. as to, you know, how, how many poor bashers there are here. And I, uh, the first thing we noticed living here was the disregard for the law on the freeway. Like speeding? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have a, I am we're like. All, we're all in a hurry. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, it's like so different. It is like night and day. And granted, you know, there is a, um, there is that always going to be, um, you know, people will always have jokes about drivers in certain cities for whatever reason. Yeah. But coming here, all I wanted to do moving here was become a cop. 
That's all I thought. I was like, I got to go to cop school. This place, <laughs> they need my big mouth and my eyes and ears. I'm like the guy, I'm like the dad in Meet the Falkers. Like, I just am out of my mind about. I think it's like coming from things. the West Coast lifestyle where everything is chill. Yes. And then you come to. Well, they're all, you know, they're. Quote, unquote, big city. It's kind of sleepy. Yeah. That's what I've been told. Yes. I've been told that people. I've been told by people in like technology and stuff that they'll come here because they can't. I see. Handle the slow pace. I have heard that also from the from different communities like uh, arts communities and mm. whatnot. But also that's a population thing, perhaps. You know, the population here is greater. The culture is different. Sure, sure, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's been really interesting. I really am enjoying it. I'm happy that there's an election. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to you know seeing what that looks like. I love learning about you know the different parties here. Uh -huh. You know the different communities. Uh, the area we live in is like, you know, Mimico, Humber. Yes. And so that's a very different, uh, they have different needs there than, mm -hmm. say, you know, northern Brampton area or yeah. Barrie. So it's just been really interesting. I'm really, I love it. I love it all. Um, what, what are your thoughts on what's happening back in your old hometown in Vancouver with the pipeline? and? Oh, it's, um, I mean, it, it's just. I don't think that there's any happy medium. I mean, it, it's very polarized. Yeah. Obviously, I'm for the land. You know, I I have to be. It's interesting, though, because there are two... Isn't it NDP provincially in BC, or am I... Now it is. Now it is. I don't think it always... It, it was It was right? liberal But now before. it is, right? And, yes, and I believe in so. In Alberta, they're NDP. So it's, it's strange it's that they're, very, very they can't different. figure something out. Well, again... You know, it depends on who you're talking to, hmm. you know, um, you know, this is going, this goes, there's a lot of different issues too that are happening. You're talking about different generations, there's generational pain, there's, uh, there's land treaty, there's land rights, there's, there's, I mean, there's environment there and then there's jobs and then yeah. there's so many layers of different issues. I don't know how they would ever come to a happy a happy point uh, because it is just it's polarized it's absolutely Maybe. polarized I don't yet know uh, what those polarized issues are here in this area but I do know for sure that I'm always gonna fight for the poor nice I mean that's it yeah you know so like for example when I moved here I discovered that there is a hospice called mm. journey home hospice mm -hmm. that is very specifically for the homeless population and they need funding mm -hmm. and they need attention and they need beds and they need and I was like that's m those are my people that's mm -hmm. who that those people have the same mindset that I do yeah and so I know for sure that I can continue to find my like-minded friends here that I did at home We've got another election afterwards later on this year for the city. Very exciting. For the mayor, very exciting. Councilor, so. Very exciting. Yeah. I love it. What's what's next in your calendar? Where's where's your next uh, gig at? Where are you playing? We're going to Vancouver at the end of the month. Okay. Um, we have two festivals there, one in Port Moody uh, on the 30th of July and then on Ju July, no, on the 30th of June and then July the 7th, uh, Catalano Street Party with a bunch of bands, friends, friends of ours too. Yeah. So it'll be off the hook 
and uh, we're very excited about it. Nice. Yeah, very excited about it. Thank you so much for coming in. I it really appreciate it. It was such a pleasure. I'm so glad that we decided to do this. Thank you for asking me. No worries. It's been great. Thank you. Thank you. Diamonds